What's up, everyone? It's another edition of the Loudwire Podcast. My name is Grim. My name is Joe. Joe Stringer. And today, tell them what we got here today, Graham. We got some Dukin, and we got the great Max Cavalera, of course, of Sepultura, Soulfly, uh, Cavalera Conspiracy, right now touring with his brother Igor, doing the whole Roots record in full. So we did a little, uh, I, that was the tour over. The tour's over. You missed it. Since Max and Igor have been touring on the Roots record, we decided to kind of go back in time. About 21 years, I think it is. 21 years and a day. 20, yeah. <laughs> the, this is actually the day after the anniversary of, uh, of Roots coming out. That's true. So we actually just launched pretty much into Roots. So we know a lot of you out there love that record. It was a pivotal album for experimental music, for groove. So we went way back, talked heavily about Roots, about the process of making it. Uh, about the, Especially going into the jungles with the Shavante tribe. Yes, you're going to want to hear about this. The Shavante tribe, uh, a very friendly tribe apparently. Who, yeah, there was one, I guess yeah. he was telling, was not so friendly that... Uh, wouldn't have worked out so well. Yes. Would have Max, been the end of Sepultura. Max, if you didn't know this, he actually wanted to record certain parts on Roots with a different tribe at first. But then, well, we'll let him tell you the story. But uh, that was shot down for a very, very good reason. Uh, luckily, Max went with the Javantes and he's still alive because of it. And he'll tell you the story. But, you know, we went way into Roots, what he's doing now. Uh, and also, some good stuff about family, because you know that Max is a very family-oriented guy, always surrounded by his beloved family. Uh, and also, we, we talked a little bit about uh, his estrangement with Igor that lasted 10 years and how he's making up for it now. So, he's got a lot of great things to say. This is the Loudwire Podcast with Max Cavalera. It's time to sit down. And shout! Bloody Roots! That sounded like Bobby Blitz, not Dio. Let's do this. We're sitting with none other than Max Cavalera, Cavalera Conspiracy. Of course, you know him from Sepultura, out here doing the Return to Roots tour. So thanks a lot for giving us some of your time here, Max. Thanks for the nice intro. Very nice. <laughs> You're a romantic fool. <laughs> yeah, Joe's in love with much of that Sepultura stuff and a lot of the stuff you've done. And, right uh, yeah, well, It's good to be here, man. You know, It's great to have you. And, you know, we've been looking at the set list, and it's so interesting that you're both opening and closing with Roots, yeah. Bloody Roots. So I just need to know, you know, I'm sure right when you go into Roots, Bloody Roots, the crowd explodes immediately. So after the full show, when you go into that refrain of Roots Play Roots, are they just as crazy as they were in the beginning? Well, it's, it's kind of my favorite part of the show because it's over. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. done, finally, god damn it. <laughs> no, uh, well, they actually, um, I love stealing things from other bands, especially when they're not really connected to us that much and put it into our context. And so this idea is actually a Queen idea oh. from Queen Life Killers because they used to open with We Will Rock You 
And close with it? And close with We Will Rock You, wow. Queen Live Killers. If you listen to the, 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 the live album, and when I saw Queen in Brazil in 81, oh. they did they did the same thing. The opener is a We Will Rock You, live, a fast We Will Rock You, which is a rock, rock version of We Will Rock You, and then they do the normal stadium, you know, to, to, da, to, yeah. to, da. So we thought, I talked to Igor about it, I said, that would be kind of cool, man, if we do um, two versions of Roots. We do one in the beginning, we do the regular Roots, and we do one in the end. And what I, what I think it makes this Roots version cool in the end is that because the original demo that I wrote Roots for in, in four tracks when I was working for the album had a fast ending that never made into the album. Hmm. For some reason, when we were in the studio, we totally forgot about the fast ending. Roots was supposed to end on a trash ending song, which is wow. blows my mind that we totally <laughs> forgot. We just never even crossed our mind to to uh, put the, the 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 fast ending in the, on a root song. So we get to do that now. So the live version, the last roots f- song we play on the on the show is the fast one. So it's just the beginning is the same, and then going to this whole f- like fast, almost like grindcore kind of Ooh, fashion. Can't wait to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, I saw Alice Cooper play "Schools Out" twice, and it's yeah. a weird thing where like you catch the. F- you catch the audience so off guard because the last thing they're expecting is a song that's already been played. So to, just to see the excitement level and with the crowd and just, it's hard to kind of shock people these days. There's, Everyone looks up the set list ahead of time. So, you know, you play a song twice, it's, you get there's that only a couple of, uh, I think only a couple of songs you can do that with. Uh, we play in Japan with Motorhead. And they did that. They they opened with Ace of Spades and closed with Ace oh, of Spades. Oh, it was like, man. if it was any other band or any other song, I would be mad. But like, you can't get mad at Motorhead. No. It's like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man, that's pretty And we awesome. do Ace of Spades, too. Uh, yeah? On our set. Yeah, we do, we do this thing called, it's, it's kind of like, it doesn't have a name for it, but it's after we do the whole Roots album, because we play the, the Roots album exactly how, how the album is. Yes. On the order of the record, it, with everything, with all the... Special things like Birimbao, the Ambush has a drum jam that we do. Um, and It's Sorry, Igor does It's Sorry just with the drums and the voice of the Indians. So it's, it's the, the whole record, you know. Mm. And when we're done with that, we kind of take a little break. And then we come back and just play our favorite cover songs that kind of people like. And um, and they're connected to, to, to us somehow. And it's a space because the name Sepultura comes from a Motorhead song. Dancing on Your Grave. That's where I got the name from. So it, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Wow. So it comes from a connection that we had with Motorhead from the beginning. And on this tour, we've been doing Black Metal with, uh, oh, with Ross Venom, and, um, and Dylan. You know, oh, wow. both singing. Oof. You know, we're singing Black Metal. It's cool. It's a, it's a fun cover, man. Everybody knows it, too. So it's, it's like really, really cool. Um, and then we do a couple little pieces of... Just really special Sepultura songs that we handpick every night. It's a little bit different every night. I kind of go on my, uh, you know, my storage bank of, of riffs. Yeah, yeah. And I pull some out every night. So, you know, we do Antichrist. We did Slave New World. We did Escape to the Void the other night. That was real nice. Everybody was like, no way. They're playing something out of schizophrenia. That's great. And Desperate Cry is always cool. Yeah. Uh, and one thing that really happened really cool on this tour also was a little kid. 
I was messing with him because he was right in front of me, and he looked like he was like 10 year old. So I look at him and I point at him. And I go, "Hey, you weren't even born when Roots came out, <laughs> dude. What are you doing here? You know?" And he goes, "Yeah, but I can play a rise." I go, "No, uh -huh. you cannot." He's like, "Yeah, I can." Really? I go, "Show me." Then we brought him to the stage. So and I thought you said he meant on on the guitar. So I gave him the guitar. He's like, "No, no, no, oh. on drums. I can drum a rise." Damn. It's like, I look at Igor. Igor, give him the seat. He's gonna play a rise. And wow. he did, man. You know, and he it did. Was right in the middle of the, of the set, we broke down and we play our rise the whole song with this little twelve-year-old kid on the drums. It was, it was awesome. It was That's really great. cool. That's so cool. And you know, since we're celebrating Roots, yesterday was the anniversary. It was the twenty-first anniversary yesterday. Really? Yeah. I don't and, know those things. <laughs> <laughs> We've made so many records and. You know, so I got a chance to uh, read an anniversary piece that's on our website about Roots, like a really good one that's written by a guy named John Wiederhorn, who's an amazing uh, metal journalist. And he goes into depth, you know, about you visiting the uh, Javante tribe in the jungles of southern Brazil, you know, uh, playing uh, the song uh, Kiowas with them for the first time, kind of... Uh, introducing them to your music right so it i wanted to know were you playing uh, an instrumental song uh to them on purpose like were you scared if they had heard a vocal from sepultura they would have been like we don't know what the hell this is and like get freaked out or something like that yeah well the, we couldn't really do the the, the original version because there was no electricity in the jungle yeah you know, you know so it, it even if you wanted, I think it would be very hard to pull it off. And I think the second thing, you'll probably scare the crap out of those guys. They'll be like, what is this? Get the hell out of our land. Yeah. We don't, we don't like this. But, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I might be wrong, man. They were really open-minded. Like, they liked our wow. tattoos. They liked our hair. You know, they were really cool. It was, very, it, was, it was kind of a... It was a nice interaction with them. You know, it was kind of like what we don't get from society. We got it there because society just looks at us, you know, like, you know, I travel the world. That's my job, you know. So sometimes I'm sitting in the airport and I know there's nobody sit by me. It's like yeah. it's, it's, they're scared. Look at this crazy guy. And I, and I wouldn't want to sit by me either. <laughs> so society has a, a, a preju prejudice Thing that the tribe didn't have it. The tribe did not have any prejudice against us, which no was uh, yeah, yeah. So it was really cool, man. You know, and I, I love the three days we spent with them there. It was so cool because there was a couple things that were mandatory, so we had to apply by the rules of the tribe. And one of them was like no drugs and no alcohol, of course. You know, okay, um, ayahuasca. No, not no. even. I wish. Yeah, yeah, I, I wish. Know, right? The recording probably would have been a lot cooler. Yeah. Would have turned into a Pink Floyd record. A yeah. Album. It's exactly. No, but uh, that was one of the rules. And then the other rules was at any point, if they don't like how these things was going, the whole thing was going to get canceled. Okay. And we had to agree with that, you know. The tribe, I want to go record with, they call Kayapos. The Kayapos would probably just kill all of us. <laughs> 
Jeez. They don't like white people. They don't want nothing to do with the white people. And I try. I told the lady, like, that's my favorite tribe. She's like, well, you better pick another one. That, she's that, like, you're not going there. That's a real death metal. Yeah, you're not going there because you're not coming alive out of there. Wow. It's like, wow. You, you're going to get murdered by them. You know, it's like, they don't want nothing to do with you. But I know this other one called the Shavantes. They're really nice and they might like you, you know. So we end up going with the Shavantes, which was really cool. Uh, how much... How much uh, interaction outside of their own tribe did they have? Uh, uh, the Javantas. Like have other things? Yeah, I mean, yeah, just of... Outside world. Yeah, just things outside their own tribe. Were, were they used to seeing other uh, cultures at all? A little bit. They were more like... Um, kind of like... Some of them were... Used to uh, um, recordings. They They... There've been the lady that did the thing was her name was Angela. She worked with the Indians. She works for an organization, a Brazilian organization, which is not really connected to the government. It's so it's kind of uh, it's it's nice. It's kind of like a, an alternative kind of society thing yeah. that she does, and she produced one of the records, and um, I guess they sold them at some kind of world music record label type stuff you know and she oh. gave me a recording of them that's when i heard the first the music for the first time was in a in a recording so they had contact with with white people um like before us you know um we were not the first white people that they saw you know okay. but but uh, really contact out the outside world just don't exist there it doesn't. Maybe now, with with evolutions with internet, you know, maybe there, yeah. maybe there's something. Uh, but at, at that time, there was not even electricity. We had to bring. Um, you had to bring batteries, like car batteries. Car batteries, right? car batteries. That's how it was recorded. <sighs> and once that ran out, that you know, <laughs> that was it. Session over. That you you either get it or you don't get it. You know, it was one of those deals. So it was kind of nerve wracking for us to get the get the song done before the batteries run out. Yeah. Ross Robinson <laughs> didn't come you, with you into the jungle, did he? Yeah, yeah, he, he did. did. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I was thinking, like, a guy like Ross, he, he would have kicked himself if he missed out on that opportunity just yeah. to go to that tribe and, like, immerse himself into the creativity of their little he civilization. Was, he, he was, like, the funniest thing was having Ross there because he was so... That place was so no Ross. It was like so so not Ross. <laughs> the whole the whole environment, you know. Um, and I remember at one point this is really funny, and uh, uh, I don't know if Ross is gonna like me to bring this up, but I'm gonna bring it up in here because it was funny as hell. He was trying to get the Indians more excited for the recording, so he started running around and tried to get it because we're in a circle and we're in the middle. It was like 300 Indians around it. So he started running and tapping the Indians to get them more louder, more excited. Like Duck Duck Goose? He <laughs> tripped, man. He tripped and fell on his ass. And you can hear like a bunch of Indians laughing their ass off. Oh, <laughs> it was like everybody just stopped. And like there's Ross in his ass. Just like fell down from the running and... You know, it was it was great. Typical Ross trying to motivate. You know, <laughs> like he, you know, when when he came to record with us, because we heard the stories of him throwing shit at the Deftones. You know, throwing yeah. candles at Chino, 
and throwing, you know, fruits at the corn guys. And right away we told him, we're not going to have any of that. You throw some shit at us, you're going to get beat up. We're going to beat you up for real right here, right now. <laughs> but it it was cool. It was a cool, uh, definitely a cool experience. You know, it was, uh, uh, we slept in tents. And I remember the, the creepiest thing in the world was the tents. Underneath the tents, you could hear all the little crickets. All night long, man. It was bizarre. It's like there's a whole living organism underneath my tent. Living underneath you. Like a whole other tribe of insects Mm -hmm. underneath the tent. (laughs) That was really wild, you know. And we ate like really crazy stuff like topper. Topper is a kind of a pig. Okay. Okay. Like a wild pig. Like a wild pig okay. that they hunt. So they made spaghetti with that with a topper topper meat on it. it. Was it was all right? It was it was quite <laughs> good actually. I don't know if I was hungry and it's everything tastes good when you're hungry, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, could have been a yeah. little bit of both. Yeah, <laughs> probably. No, uh, but it was super exciting. Now going into the jungle, did you feel any sense of validation when the tribe said that they wanted to create the music with you? Like you know, Sepultura from brazil putting brazil on the international map as far as metal goes but you've always had that sense of pride for your home country do you right. feel like that this really authenticated sepultura's kind of prideful brazilian heritage well i think the coolest thing was because we kind of like even showed to brazil where the original music is from you know because before the samba and bossa nova and and uh, you know, carnival music. There's the Indian music has always been there from the beginning. You know, so they are the originators. They are the roots mm-hmm. of Brazilian music. Is the Indian sure. music? You know, so I think that's for me. That's the coolest thing about the Roots Project of going to the tribe, is to that we capture that that we capture the original music. You know, before anything else, and uh, when Roots came out, it was huge. Um, it was a huge people talking about even in like newspapers in brazil and stuff like even like uh musical teachers were like dissecting the record because of that and they were giving us props because for that you know which was really cool it was the first time we got props because we were hated our whole career (laughs) sepultura never got you know never never got a break um the media always hated us they blamed everything on us you know um, so it was like it was nice for once they were like giving us props like okay they deserve it you know they actually did something original gets them not recognition for something that's original and cool and different you know that's never been done before in metal you know so that that felt pretty good i can't imagine the government still liked you after a, a song like dictator shit like vermin never liked us <laughs> it's, it's as easy as that you know like like and we never liked them, you know. Yeah. So it was—it's always been that kind of relationship, you know. Like, uh, I don't know any polit- politicians, you know. I never met them, you no. know. So it's like uh, it's a different world, uh, you know. I think they're so corrupt that I don't want to even want to meet one of them. Yeah. You know, like, what is their purpose for you? Their reality is so far from my reality. It's like we have nothing in common at all to talk about it, you know. Um, but you know, dictatorship is really about the military government that was in Brazil, oh, okay. and that was like we caught the 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 entail of that yeah. when we were kids. But that military 
cast a, a big shadow on the whole country for many years after that. So the police in Brazil is very much, you know, with military um, kind of mentality. So they're very just bad. There's, they're just death squad type shit you know yeah. they just grab 10 little kids and shoot all of them in the head you know public execution Jeez. let everybody know they're doing that you know like they're not ashamed of it they take pride of that you know so it's like it's it's brutal man so we 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 like i got together with a with a group there was a activist group called tortura nunca mais and that's what I say on the song. I say, Tortura nunca mais, right in the middle of the song. What does that mean? Uh, torture never more. Okay. Uh, yeah, like torture, no more torture. No, no torture, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, because of, of the, yeah, there was a lot of torture going on at that time. Yeah. By the police and military people and stuff, you know. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, when I was like nine years old, I used to go to my aunt's house in Belo Horizonte and she lived her house uh, was in the in the back of a police station and we're wow. here screams of, of people being tortured all night oh my god it was like really really crazy stuff like that as a kid i remember that you know so it's like that kind of stuff is always like in the back of my mind you know it's like just just to hear those people screaming all and night. stuff as a kid all oh, night i can't, man, I can't know, even believe it was it was insane you know so it's like and my relationship with, with the brazilian police has always been sketchy you know it's like um well that kind of brings you into the story of straight hate you know straight hate policia all those songs you know always yeah. being connected to 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 the, the to the brazilian police the brazilian cops and um you know, I have more friends in in America that are cops. They're cool. They're metal fans. You know, I wish oh, more. Yeah. I wish more of them in Brazil were like that, but they're not. <laughs> they're assholes. Uh, you know, here they're cool, man. They come to the shows and they're fans. Yeah. You know, we have friends. You know, here here in New York, we have friends in in Texas. They're a police officer. They love their metal. You know, and they give us a break. <laughs> That's cool, man. And you know, a song like Straight Hate. You know, having to relive that level of anger and frustration you know after the uh, you know an incident with police and with assholes who p pulled guns on you and stuff um it, is it hard to revisit that sort of feeling when you go back on stage and, and you try to put that out for people um yeah but i think it's cool too it's part of a of the of what the songs are about i think it's it's it, this is what's cool about songs, I think, you know, yeah. that, that you can, um, you know, actually sometimes close your eyes and be almost like transported in time to to that time, you know, to when I was first sure. wrote the song, you know. And it was like, there's lyrics that I wrote in, in, the, in those days that really, um, even today, they make so much sense. Stuff like refuse to resist. Yeah. It's perfect for right now. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's right what's, now, what's going the, on right now? The anti-Trump people call themselves the resistance right now. Right, so, yeah, it's, so, so it's like stuff like that's crazy, you know. And then I have like stuff like uh, uh, "Inner Self" was really about Brazil. It's you know, walking in these dirty streets with yeah. hate in my mind and stuff. You know, it was really about our, our 
own life uh, at that time in Brazil that we were living. So it's it's cool, you know. And 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 straight hate is pretty personal too, you know. I ask myself why I'm so hateful. Maybe it's part of my nature. People say I'm fucked in my mind. Feels like there's nothing left inside, you know. So yeah. it's a little. I think we all feel like that. A little, a little black flag in there somewhere. You know? Yeah, <laughs> especially us New Yorkers, we we feel that all the time. <laughs> Asking why we're so pissed off all right. the time. But uh, you know, one thing I'd like to talk about is uh, you touring with family. You know, you've you've made family a huge priority in your career. You know, whether it's being uh, managed by your wife, now touring along with Igor, touring with your kids, making music with your kids. You know, there was a long time where you and Igor didn't speak. You know, do you feel like you're making up for lost time with a tour like this? Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's great. You know, it's, yeah. it's great having Igor back and be able to have a, a relationship I have with him now. It's so cool. You know, it's like um, it, it really kind of it, it 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 erased those ten years that we didn't talk. We oh. that, that don't even exist in our minds. You know, I mean, I mean, it does exist, and it was was real hard, yeah, and painful, but. Uh, we're in such a better place now with our friendship and our brotherhood, and we're kind of like like Gloria was talking to me the other day. She was like she saw Willie Nelson, and we were we're parking this hotel, and Willie Nelson was there with his bus, and all these people came out of Willie Nelson's bus with like long gray hair, yeah, you know, and they're all the roadies, and they've been Willie Nelson's oh. roadies for like 30, 40 years. And she's like, like I what? love. She likes. I love that. I want to do the same. So that's why we try to keep the same roadies and the same people that yeah. you can trust. So it's like a family vibe on on the on the road as much as it can be, you know. And it works. Yeah, especially because a lot of musicians always talk about the struggle of leaving home, and they love to be on the road. And then when they're on the road, they miss home. When they're home, they miss being on the road. But it's yeah. always it always comes back to they want to be there for their family. So I mean, you get to live both at the same time well uh, not, not all not, the time you don't always like, have, have kids at home right now yeah you know like right now uh my two boys at home Igor and zion you know lodi kong dudes um so we we do miss them a lot you know and stuff you know but um they understand what we're you know we have to do this is this is our mm -hmm. you know, our lifestyle you yeah, know you've toured with them our, with soulfly and things before yeah. too Zion so. plays drums for yeah. Soulfly, which so is great trying which to is, keep it together as much as possible it seems yeah yeah and then you know we have having igor um playing with my brother is a lot of fun too because i don't see him all the time but when i see him it's we try to make the best out of the situation and enjoy it especially when we we have stuff like we 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 use as example of like the what can go wrong in this metal world like Dimebag like yeah. what a horrific yeah. story man you know those are two brothers separated by a tragedy that nobody should ever have to feel that you know and that's such a heavy thing man you know and so I, I look at that like man like me and Igor were very lucky that we none of that stuff ever happened to us and we're you know good and healthy and together you know and you know, we had our 10 years of, of struggle, but it's, that's past, you know. Right now is what we live for, and mm -hmm. um, this tour is so fun, and we, we're having the great, greatest time that we can have, and uh, look forward to do more stuff in the future, you know. That's great. You know, and we noticed that 2018 will be the 25th anniversary of Chaos AD. So if only just to put that in your mind. 2001? <laughs> Uh, Chaos AD 2018 oh. next year will be the 25th anniversary. So 
Right. It's a pretty good album. If you want to, if you feel like playing that live, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you guys, like, if yeah. we're trustworthy, then yeah, it's a good album. Yeah, so I mean, you know, when it comes to, I'm excited for the 50th anniversary of Bachelor <laughs> Devastation. Oh yeah, jeez, you think you'll be around? We'll be in a wheelchair one. doing that one. Um, no man, it. it's cool. It's uh, I hope we can do it more. You know, like this idea really, uh, really grow into something that's really just really cool and magical and powerful and i think fans want to experience that and i think for artists also sometimes i think in order to move forward you got to kind of look back on on some of your early stuff also you can't uh, it's like don't 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 forget your roots type of totally. mentality you know like and those those records were really important and really cool and you know, like I love Arise myself. You know, I, I, out of those, out of that group, maybe Arise might be my favorite one. Yeah. But Chaos is, was really interesting too because it was a, a period of growing. I think, I think we were growing on Chaos and becoming something that nobody really kind of saw it coming. Mm. And uh, I think what we did on Chaos AD was like we slowed down everything. Just didn't need to be as fast as Arise was but had the same kind of power with stuff like Territory, Slave New World. And then, of course, all the experimentation, Kaiovas and um, Manifest. It was an interesting record to make, you know, and uh, you definitely got to keep that in mind. 25 years, that sounds good. Every single, <laughs> every single riff on that album is a pit riff. Like every we, yeah. every single riff, you just like it, the next one comes. You're like, God damn, that was so <laughs> sick! And then the next one comes in. You're just like, Jesus. Well, I think it doesn't think, end um, for like forty minutes. <laughs> I think I wrote Chaos at the same time I was writing Nail Bomb, so they were oh. all from the same era oh, yeah. of of uh, super, inf- pit, music, yeah. super yeah. pit, pissed off, hateful. You know, I just wanted to kick yeah. shit down type music. You know, and uh, so it was like. I did. I think both at the same time, and I think they came out pretty close to each other. And uh, when I listen to the nail bomb point blank, uh, there, there's a lot of really angry stuff on that record. You know, it was an angry record to make, and um, and chaos too. You know, chaos was 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 also fun. Uh, my favorite riff I think I ever did is on chaos, which is refuse. The the opening yeah. riff of refuse is probably my. That's um, a whole nother podcast. It's an easier uh, riffs. Yeah, those riffs they don't come all the time, but when they come, they're very special, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm very glad for them. <laughs> <laughs> Considering myself a, a riff maniac that I am, you know, because mm-hmm. I love riffs, man. I think riffs, riff is an art form that a lot of people don't acknowledge, should be acknowledged more as a real killer, amazing art form. You know, yeah. there should be. There should be school for riffs oh. all over all over the world. There is. It's the first six Black Sabbath albums. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you know, like riffs are just amazing, man. I'm, I'm still in love of with making riffs, and I spend hours doing it. You know, at home when I'm preparing for a record, I write. I try to get all the best riffs I can get, because that's uh, I think with the, with the riff comes it's the foundation of the song. The song totally. They don't. Most of them get born from from a riff. Sometimes I you know a song gets can we get born from a drum beat or a vocal idea or something. But most of the time it's the riff. Like yeah. having that main killer riff, it's it's priceless. <laughs> All right.
And that was Max Cavalier, ladies and gentlemen, from the basement of Gramercy Theater in New York City. And one thing I love about Max is you could just tell how much that guy is a metalhead. Oh, yeah. It's like there's not a, a lot of guys who really keep their ear on the ground. Like even before mm. we started the podcast, we were talking about him name check like Batushka and Bolzer <laughs> in interviews before and I was just like it's it's really nice to see somebody who's that much in touch with the underground Phil and Salmo of course sure, being another sure. one yeah Max is always covered in patches and like half of the, the patches you maybe haven't even heard of like and half of the patches band, are really. all the same band I think he had like a full of hell patch and a full of yeah. hell pin and another full <laughs> of hell something else somewhere else you always see him repping the thrash bands and his yeah. kids stuff too it was really cool talking to him about his kids and he's just you could tell yeah, yeah. he's just so proud of everything I mean like you could see some guys in bands and their kids don't even listen to the same music that they write that their fathers yeah. are in and they embarrass t- their kids yeah there's got to be a total disconnect there like yeah dad used to run around with spandex in the 80s yeah. <laughs> and f- to have the, not just like one son but just the entire family all be this huge community of metalheads and playing the music and you know going on tour with your dad being in the same band as him that is weird because you don't see like d snyder's kids Running around in like makeup and wigs and pink spandex. Exactly. Well, you did a little bit on his show when his daughter was really young. She was de- oh, but she's out a girl, Joe. Yeah, and it, she was. Yeah, and, I mean, and she she was the like five year old girl or whatever. I yeah. didn't watch the show. Did you watch? Of course, you watched it. You're the I, biggest I, twisted I fister. I didn't watch it. I don't. I said twisted I, fister for a second. Twisted fister. <laughs> you, but I was saying you're like the biggest twisted sister fan that I've ever met. I am an SMF. But yeah, yeah. I didn't. No, I did. I wasn't a diehard of the show. I think I more so caught it in passing here and there. Sure. And I just remember one scene of like his daughter putting on the makeup, and oh. I think she had the shoulder well, pads that's and everything. Adorable. Yeah. But anyway, it's really cool to see the whole family like that. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's a bit of a rarity. So something special to see. Yeah, you'll see him touring with Lodi Kong and stuff like that. You know, keep, keeping it tight with the family. Definitely respect that. And we just came out with something that both of us are really excited about, very proud about something new in the Loudwire future. Overall, that we're going to be doing are these little mini documentary series on some of the biggest albums ever. Mm-hmm. And we just did one on the 25th anniversary of Volga Display of Power. So we had Philip Anselmo, Vinnie Paul, Rex Brown. We even had Brad Guise, the photographer who took mm-hmm. the that iconic album cover photo, which... Yep. The stories? What do you think, Graham? The story. What do you think about these stories we heard for our entire life? The stories life? are wrong, and we've proven what really happened with the punch. So you could check that out on our YouTube channel. Just look up Pantera or search Loudwire Legacy. That'll come up. Um, just something that we're really proud of that we were able to do and shine some light on an album that has been talked about so much, but something that very few people actually knew. So you can check that out right now on our YouTube channel. We know a lot of you are already there right now. So check it out. Loudwire Legacy Pantera Vulgar Display of Power celebrating 25 years of one of the best albums that's ever been made and one that really did save metal in the 90s. And we know that if you love Max Cavalier, you love the groove. Check it out right now. Walk on home, boy. <laughs> And walk on over to loudwire.com for all your daily rock and metal news. Are you talking to me? <laughs> Jeez, God. Uh, that hurt. <laughs> 
head over to our Facebook page. Give us a like. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. If you're listening to us on iTunes, hit that subscribe button. Give us five stars because we deserve it. Why don't you leave us a nice comment? Yeah, leave us a nice comment. Let us know just how much this is your favorite podcast. Yes, leave us a nice comment on YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube. You can follow me at GrahamWire on Twitter. And you could follow me. You know what? Forget Twitter. I don't act. I don't. Stay You're active really on bad that at Twitter. You're at all. so awful but at Twitter. What I did do is I brought back my old Instagram page that I stopped using when I was oh. actually doing all the stuff for the Loudwire Instagram page because you weren't able to toggle back and forth between profiles. And then well, they, introduced, hey. they introduced it months ago, probably well, well hey. over a year ago. And I just didn't bother with it. And then I looked through it and I was like, you know what? This was kind of fun. I what miss pictures it. are you subjecting your followers to? Um, I looked. It was funny. I actually looked back on it. And one of my last posts was buying Iron Maiden tickets. And this was right after my most Wait, recent Iron Maiden ticket. Did you post your thing. Iron Maiden tickets online, like with the barcode? Please don't tell me you did that. Well, no, no, not the one that we're going to see. This is a the show that already happened. But any, this is for the, it was either the Garden or Quebec. Not you posted Quebec, your tickets Montreal. online. You yeah, don't see I how that's potentially dangerous. Yeah, well, I got into the show, so ah, Jesus, that's the joy of not having many people follow you. But that could change <laughs> with your help today. Follow me right. on Instagram at Ice Nerve Shatter. Uh, One word: it's God Flash song. Ice Nerve Shatter. Still Get it? Ice got nerve it? Shatter. Good. Follow it. That and you know pictures of D Snyder's codpiece. D Snyder never had a codpiece. You bet he did. I don't. Did he have a? No, I don't remember seeing a codpiece. You know, it's know, Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull used to have to wear a cod piece. Okay, so his cod piece. Flutes and cod pieces. Jeez, how did they be? Maybe you prefer cod. lamb and tuna fish? How did they be? <laughs> <laughs> It's the Loudwire Podcast, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you or hear you or nothing, or we'll see your comments next time. They do good. Good.